I'd like to thank the, the opportunity to be able to speak to you this evening. Uh, the, the, the lesson that you're, gonna, you're about to hear, I heard four years ago in, in Middleburg, Florida, and it made such an impact on me, and it and really challenged me in my faith, and it continues to challenge me. And I hope tonight it will challenge you some way in your own faith. You'll be able to take something from it tonight. The idea of this sermon is Jesus often grouped people together in categories, I think, for the sake of us to be able to identify with him. I think the greatest example of that is the parable of the sower. He broke humanity down in all of humanity down into four categories, right? Different kinds of hearts. And in that parable uh, that, he, that he taught in the Gospels, he said there was only one group that could be saved or was worthy, that had worthy hearts of the kingdom. The other three were not. And the idea of that parable was for them to evaluate themselves. And he taught it to the people, so they were supposed to look to see what kind of heart they truly had. And that's the same line of thinking I want to talk about tonight. Um, I want to talk about this evening, and I'm going to ask you the question when it's on. There it is, right there. Yeah, what box are you in? What box are you in? It's actually the first time I've used a PowerPoint while preaching, so. But I've made little, little notes to hopefully advance the slides. Apologize in advance if I don't. <laughs> but what box are you in? So I'm going to present tonight four categories, four possible categories that you could be in but I, I, we don't always like to be categorized, right? We don't like to be put in boxes. Um, but I think the Bible is about putting us in boxes because then we have to say what? We have to say I'm in one box or the other, right? Uh, hopefully these have been, I think these have been accurately presented as we present today. The first box is the box of people who only want to do evil, I noticed this morning that uh, Leland's, or Leland's slides, the words were a lot bigger. Mine may be a little smaller. So <laughs> uh, that's user error. But the bo this box is people who only want to do evil. I think Genesis 6 gives us an, a prime example of that. God looked down on the earth and he saw every intention. He saw all the thoughts of their hearts were evil continually, Right? There are people in this world who represent this box, unfortunately. They only want to do evil, and they don't desire to do any good. Another example uh, is in Genesis chapter 18, dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah. We know Abraham was pleading with God, and he got all the way down to 10, 10 righteous people. If he could just find 10, God would not destroy the place. But he, we know he, did, he couldn't do it. He couldn't find any besides Lot and his family. Another example I think we see in Acts chapter 12 is Herod. Now, if you don't remember that story, in Acts chapter 12, Herod kills James, and then he puts Peter in prison. And later, Herod exalts himself on the throne, and he allows the people to exalt him on the throne. And he takes the glory that belongs to God for himself, and he presents himself as a god. The next verse, I don't know if you remember what happens, an angel struck 
him immediately and he dies. And his body is eaten by worms. He seems to be someone like that. Like in someone in this box that represents that. No desire to do good. Um, we may know people like that. Sometimes we see people who have national attention and it seems every deed portrayed is evil. I think we can all agree that this box is not where God wants us to be. The second box is want to do some good, but only if there's no cost. I want to do some good, but if there's any cost associated with doing good, I'm just not willing to do it. I think a good example of that is in John chapter 18 and 19 when Jesus is talking to Pilate and he's basically on trial for his life. We see Pilate is not a righteous man by any stretch of the imagination. And if you read historically about him, he's a very ruthless, ungodly man. But what do we see in John 18 and 19? Pilate wants to do good in this situation. In fact, he wants to release Jesus, right? But as pressure mounts, he said he's going to release him several times. But what do the people say? No, don't release him. And he says, no, I'm going to release him. And then what he has, him, has Jesus beaten, and then his plan is afterward to have him released. And they say, no, don't release him. And finally, Pilate says what? He says, I'm going to release him. This man is innocent. I can't find anything to charge him with. And the people say, if you release him, you're no friend of Caesar. So what, what, what now? Now there is a cost associated with what? Releasing Jesus, right? Now he's afraid somebody's going to report me up the chain of command, and I'm going to release this Jesus who is potentially trying to take the kingdom away from Caesar. So what now he saw political harm, he saw cost, and he realized I could lose my credibility, I could even use my position if I do this. So what did he choose not, so what did he choose? What was his choice? Well, he said, I'm not willing to sacrifice any cost to release Jesus. You know, there are a lot of people out in the world who will do good. If you fall down right next to someone, they'll help you up and they'll do good. But if that person has to walk across the street to help you up, then what? You're just going to sit there because they're not willing to give the cost. They're not willing to exert the effort. We see political leaders like that sometimes. They, they, may, they may stand and may have a, uh, feel strongly about an issue or even a moral issue. But as the pressure mounts and they realize, you know, if I vote the way on this bill... Well, then people at home may not vote against, will vote against me, or maybe my opponent's going to use it later on. So what we see, if there is any good someone in this box to do, but there is a cost involved with that good, they'll choose not to do it. Now, I want to focus more. I know we kind of sped through the first two boxes, but I want to focus more on the third box and then the fourth box. And I believe this fourth box... This fourth box is going to be the most challenging one. Not to saying that the, the, third box, or the, the third box is going to be this most challenging one. Not to say the fourth one won't. But this one is challenging. I have found myself in this box. And in this group, there could be many of us in this box. And that is what? I want to do good. And I want to... There we go. I want to do good. And I want to sacrifice in my service to God. 
as long as the cost of that sacrifice is not too great. If we're serving Christ and we're reading the scriptures, we're smart and we realize that there is going to be a cost associated with serving God, right? Look over with me in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, there in verses 42 and 43. John chapter 12, verse 42, it says, Nevertheless, many, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, him being Jesus, but the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. Here we see people that believed in Jesus, even some among them chief rulers. But what were they worried about? Being cast out of the synagogue. So now they have to look at following Jesus versus getting kicked out of the synagogue. And they were unwilling to make that commitment. I think I could go to say even as far as they were willing to be even ridiculed to some extent. Even maybe have someone say negative, something negative about them. But when it, when it came, they were willing to put in some cost, right? But they were not willing to get kicked out of the synagogue. Why not? Well, verse 43 has our answer. It says, For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Man. Now think about this. As Christians, we say our goal is to glorify God, right? But the challenge with us is what? Is how much am I going to have to give up to glorify God? That's our challenge. And so all in this box are going to be will glorify God, are willing to glorify God on some level and give some cost. But at what cost do we say that glorify God anymore? Look with me in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. This is going to probably be the best example I can give you uh, for this for this box right here that we're talking about. Mark chapter 10, looking there in verse 17, we know this passage. We're familiar with it. If you're not familiar with it, go back and read Mark chapter 10, 17 through 22. Read about the rich young ruler. In verse 17, it says, And as he was setting out on the journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Here I think we can see right off the bat, this young man is a seeker of truth, right? He comes to Jesus and asks, what? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, as we evaluate this, evaluate these scriptures, it's very important we evaluate and look at what box we're in. Because his question was not, how can I be a better servant? His question was not, how, how can I have a deeper more filling relationship with God. No, no. His question was, what must I do to be saved? Or what must I do to inherit eternal life? So a salvation issue, right? Look in verse 18. He says, And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all of these things I have kept from my youth. Looking at all of the commandments in verse 18 and, or in verse 18 and 19 that he says he's keeping, do you think there was any cost involved in keeping those? 
Is it always easy to, be, to not bear false witness? Is it always easy not to lie? No, it's not. But he had worked and he was a truthful man. Is it always easy not to commit adultery? I assume possibly that he's married. But there could have been the allurement of another woman, right? But what he remained faithful to his own wife and he bore that cost. He honored his father and mother. Leland talked about that this morning. Is it always easy to honor our father and mother? No, it's not. So there was some cost involved. But I think this young man is different from Pilate. I think he's different from, uh, just one second. I have a a spider here. I'm not a friend of spiders. (laughs) I had to get rid of that one real quick. Um, This man... The young man, he's, he's not like Pilate. He's not like Sodom and Gomorrah from the standpoint of this man is not unwilling to give up anything, right? This is not a man who doesn't realize there's a cost involved in serving God and being his disciple. So like us, right, we realize that. What does he say? I have done, I have done it all from my youth. So what is our takeaway if we don't read any further? Well, I have given up everything for you in my service to God. What do I need to do to have eternal life? If we've never read the story and we, and this is the first time reading it, what was our first conclusion? Well, you've done everything you needed to do to inherit eternal life, right? He didn't have to do anything else. How would the religious world answer that? Well, there's nothing you can do and it's just God, right? But that's not how Jesus answered it. In verse 21, It says, and Jesus looking at him loved him. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He recognized this man has sacrificed in his service to his father and to Jesus. In John's account, it doesn't talk about Jesus looking at Pilate with love. Now, in a sense, yes, Jesus and God, they love everyone. But Jesus recognized, and he knew Pilate's heart. He knew he wasn't willing to to give up anything and everything to save his life. But Jesus sees a quality in this young man. He sees a quality in this young man, and the writer says he looked at him and he loved him. He understood this young man, and he appreciated what he had given up. In verse 21, it says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And he said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have to the poor and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Do you see what box he's in? He was willing to sacrifice all these things. He was willing to keep those commandments. He's like, I have done all of that. I'm committed, right? It has, some, it has come at some cost, and I bore that cost. Teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Just one more thing. Sell all you have and give to the poor. A cost he wasn't willing to give. Now, do you think in a spiritual discussion among the rabbis that if the conversation turned to, what if God asks us to give up everything and anything for him? Or should we love God more than money? 
do you think the rich young ruler would have been the first to say, of course, we must be willing to sacrifice everything for God. And of course, God is more important than money. You know, we know what the Bible says. We're smart. We know what the scriptures say, and we'll look at a few of those in a second. But we know we have to be willing to commit everything, like Leland said this morning, give 100%. The problem is, with those of us in this box is, we're all willing to sacrifice some worldly goods, some family, some close relationships, some friends. We're all willing to even experience some minor discomfort at times, even long term. But... There is no real life change or true submission to God in this box. Can you be in this box and have eternal life? You can't be. This man does not have eternal life. Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, sell all you have and give to the poor. Well, he walks away and he doesn't do it. Now, did he do it later? Hopefully. I really hope he did. But the story ends, you won't sell all you have and give to the poor. You don't get eternal life. And I have to ask myself the question, and if you, hopefully you've agreed the way I've outlined this so far, that if I'm in this box, I don't have eternal life. And that scares me because I know there's been times I've been in this box maybe even right now, that I know I needed to give up something, intellectually believed that I needed to give up everything, but never do that. And I never believed in this box that that would be required. But we're going to find something real quick. This box is full of compromise. We're all willing to give up something, but as we get pushed further and further to giving up everything, we compromise, don't we? I can't do that. You're crazy. That's too hard. That's too dangerous. Nobody expects me to do that. He didn't ask anybody else to do that. And we compromise all over this box. But as good a compromiser as what? We pat each other on the back and we say, you did all you could. Why? Why why am I okay with that? I'm okay that you stop there, right? But if the story wasn't framed that way, wouldn't we have gathered around this rich young man gave him a big hug and said, look, man, I don't blame you. Bro, you're fine. You sacrifice. I see you. You know, I saw you at that Bible study the other night. I saw you giving that food away. I've never seen a man more dedicated to God. I've never seen a man more faithful to his wife than you. God doesn't expect that from you. Sell all you have and give to the poor? They have a bunch of nutcases over there? It seems outrageous to us, doesn't it? But we compromise every time the price gets too high. We reason our way to believe we don't have to pay that high of a price. Did Jesus have to pay that high of a price? But we read about it. We read about, there's, we have countless examples. Isaiah, Jeremiah, the apostles, James, who's killed by Herod, But could that happen here? Could that happen in 2021? Let's be honest. Really? You know, God's not going to require that of anybody, right? And we compromise and we feel comfortable. 
We love to be comfortable. In this box, we're going to find we risk some things, even some notable things, but we never risk it all. But there's one more box. And this is the box that we're going to find for eternal life. And this was the box that Jesus was trying to move this young man into. And that is what? Am I willing to serve God at any cost? Now, intellectually, I think we believe that because we read about it. But in practicality, do we believe it? Turn with me to uh, 2 Timothy. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we know where I'm going. 2 Timothy chapter 3, looking there in verse 12, hopefully this sounds familiar to us. It says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. What's the key word in that verse? If, you, if you're good, if you circle or you write in your Bible, <laughs> circle the word all. What does all mean in this verse? Well, it doesn't mean some. I'll tell you right now, it means exactly what you think it means. It means all. Everyone who desires to live a godly life is going to suffer persecution. The problem is, if we're looking at it from the aspect in the third box, we only think it's a little persecution, right? We take that verse and we filter it. We're not saying, that's not saying I have to give up everything, is it? Not everybody that we read about in the scriptures had to give up everything. And I think that mindset is wrong. Everybody who were faithful to God had to give up everything. We just don't always see what they had to give up. Look over with me in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. These are some hard passages. Luke chapter 14, 25 through 33 talks about the cost of discipleship. Look with me in verse 33 of Luke chapter 14. It says, So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. There's that funny little word, all. (laughs) I hate that word. All. So in reality, I can't know a Christian who is a disciple of Christ who hasn't renounced all that they have, right? Jesus gives us other passages that are tough like this one, Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 16, and, and there are many countless other ones. Look in verse 26, it says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple." You know, (laughs) Jesus doesn't ease us into it, does he? He doesn't really, it's not just like, he didn't ask the rich young ruler, well, are you willing to give 10%? What about 40%? Well, the rich young ruler probably tithed. But why? Why Why can't God, why can't Jesus ask us something a little more reasonable? Because if God says he wants all, then he wants all. And that's tough. And he uses the word hate here in verse 26 to show what? To show how great our allegiance to God should be from what? From our allegiance to everything and everybody else. And what he's saying is, what? If, 
if these things or if myself is more important than serving God, then what? I love them more than I love God. Or what? If, if, serving, if, if serving my family is more important to me than serving God, then I love them more than God. Do, do we understand that when the apostles went out, what was the risk? What was their risk? We know that Peter was married. We, know, we don't know about James. We know Paul wasn't married. But who was going to take care of Peter's family if something happened to him? Well, Peter probably wasn't going to die, was he? But why would you think that? When Jesus had just told him, if you're not willing to give up everything, if you're not willing to round out all you have, you can't be my disciple. Is it a surprise then when James dies in Acts chapter 12? No. Because why? Because he already told them, if you're going to be godly, you're going to be persecuted. Just like he told, Paul told Timothy. He actually told him that in Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 22. We're not going to turn there for time's sake. But do you remember the phrase that he says there at the beginning of 16? He says, I'm sending you out talking to the apostles as what? As sheep in the midst of wolves. You're going to have to go against who? You're going to have to go against courts. You're going to have to go against kings, governors. Children are going to rise up from their parents. And those children are going to have to be put to death because of the message that you're sending out. From, the, from my message that you're, going to be, that you're going to be speaking to others. You're going to be utterly hated because of me. And I'm just, my question is, how could they go out in Acts chapter 12 and keep preaching, even knowing Herod, who was a terrible king, evil, who wanted him dead? Because they love God above everything else, even their families. I think they never would have gone. And back in Matthew chapter 10, he trusted, the apostles trusted what Jesus told them. And that don't be anxious because I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I saw your eyes, Josh. <laughs> um, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to help you. And in fact, you're going to know exactly what to say within the hour. And the last thing he said in 22 is those who endure are going to be saved. Isn't that such an encouragement? They took that as an encouragement. And we can read that, and we can see their faith on the pages, right? But hey, being a, being a servant of God is worth it until what? Until it gets really hard. And then in our minds, we say, what? I don't have to take this anymore. This is ridiculous. Why? Because I compromise. Because I've given things up. Because I've sacrificed to God. But I haven't given up anything because I haven't renounced all I have and gave to him. I can't pay my way in at 75%. Man, I wish I could. I'm telling you right now, I could be great at 80%. Give me 80%, and I'm making it to heaven, absolutely. I can be 80%. Maybe you guys more about 95 or 85 to 90. But being 100% committed, that hurts. And it costs so much. And you have to be willing to give up everything you have. And sometimes, I just want to be like the rich young ruler. I want to say, that's too much. The price is too high, God. I want to serve you, but I don't want to sell everything I have. Yeah, I want to be your disciple, God. 
but I don't want to be your disciple. It's going to cost me my relationship with my dad. Or to love you more than I love my wife or your kids. I don't want to give you 100%, God, Jesus. And what slaps me in the face sometimes is I can be patted on the back for that. Because a 60% Christian is going to look at an 80% Christian and say, man, they're going to heaven. That brother or sister has got it figured out. But who is our ultimate example that we're supposed to look to? It's Jesus. And don't you think we all would have looked at the rich young ruler and we would have said, that guy's going to heaven. Why? Because he keeps all the commandments. He's dedicated to God. He's an honest man. He's faithful to his wife a man of integrity, but he loves money more than God. That's the challenge. That's our challenge. I think that's why he went to Jesus in the first place. This young man, he wanted to be better. Don't we want to be better? We want to be growing. We want to serve God. I want to be faithful to God in my life, and I want to have eternal life, but I do not want to be 100% committed. It just goes against so much that's in me because this box requires what? Great personal sacrifice, not just to me, not just to my family, but in extension, every close relationship I have. Think for a minute. Was there anybody that was close to Jesus who was any of them that were unscathed by his relentless pursuit of the will of God? I think we know that answer. Oh, one more. <laughs> because what? We can read the pat we can read the scriptures and say what? They got some of them killed because they were his friend. You know, being a friend with someone like Jesus is dangerous. Because what you know in the back of your mind, Jesus is always gonna choose God. And you may be the collateral damage. It's gonna cost every relationship we have. There's gonna be no relationship that we have as disciples of Christ, that's not going to have a cost associated it with being a disciple. But if we can't renounce all we have, then we can't be his disciple. Back in Luke chapter 14, verse 27, it says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And in Luke, Luke 9, he says it a little differently. He says, whoever, does not, whoever will deny himself and take up his cross daily... How much denial do I have to give myself? All. <laughs> Easier said than done, though. I can't. I, well, what if I, I don't mind serving God six days a week and then taking Saturdays off, right? 100% commitment. <laughs> if we knew the cross, would we do it? But, but it's easy for us to have, I think, a lack of expectation these days because we want to be comfortable God's not going to require that. We read Luke 14. God's not going to require that of any of us, right? Growing up, going to school, going to college, being a younger Christian, I'm still young. Um, You know, I didn't always understand that. I thought, you know, if I told people that I went to church, that I didn't drink, that I didn't use foul language, that that was enough. But I wasn't 100% committed And I didn't talk to people about Jesus. And I didn't set a good example in other areas of my life. You know, but I was 75% committed, right? 
And I was a lot more dedicated than anyone I went to school with. Big deal. Do you, does it, do you guys see that there's no value in being in the third box over the first box in that sense? So what, I'm more committed than someone who doesn't love anything at all. Or so what, I'm more committed than somebody who won't sacrifice but do some good. I got to stop being complacent. I got to stop compromising in my faith. Because what do we want? We want eternal life, right? I got to be in the fourth box. And to be in that fourth box, what? I got to be willing to give up everything for Christ. As we close here, I wanted to depict the four boxes for you guys. Hopefully that makes a little more sense. You can see. As we close, I want to just continue thinking about the mindset of giving everything for Jesus. Leland talked about it this morning. Our mindset should be, that should be our mindset in everything we do, in every area of our life as a disciple of Christ, should it not? See, if I go to my neighbor and I say, and with every expectation that it won't cost me everything, if I reach out to you and try to help you, but my expectation is I'm in the third box, and you're not going to ask me too much, right? Because I don't want to give up my Saturday to you. How many times have we said this or we heard, whatever you need, I'll do it. I'll help you. Whatever you need, just let me know. But my expectation is what? I'm in the third box, and I'm counting on you not asking me too much. Because I don't want to serve you 100%. Jesus just burns through my heart. And he says, you can't be my disciple, Cam. You know, it's hard to give up everything in our service to Christ. It's hard to follow his example. It's hard to give up our time and our effort. It's hard to be be nice to our neighbors and talk to them, right? It's hard to be kind to one another. We see that as a sacrifice, though. Uh, But we always think that it's not going to cost us everything. You know, some of us would give up some things to serve Christ. Some of us would give up some things to serve one another. But it only matters what? If we're willing to give up everything. In what area are we giving up everything in our lives? It better be every area. Or if we're unwilling to do that, Jesus says, we can't, you can't be my disciple. 1 John 5, 3 says what? This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. Go and preach the gospel to the world. Do you think it's burdensome if you lose your daughter in the process? Take up your cross and follow me. Think that's burdensome if it costs your relationship with your mom, your parents, your son or daughter? But even then, Peter says what and others say, it's, it's worth it. It's not burdensome to serve God, even when they're about to kill me, because serving him is the joy of my life. But when we have pain, when we have suffer, when we have trials come our way, and they're going to happen, when it might cost me everything in one area or all the areas, or when it might cost me one relationship or all the relationships, but isn't that what Jesus is driving at when he's talking to the rich young man? He says, you're a good guy, but are you in? Do you love me above everything else? your own credibility, your own version of goodness, will you do whatever I ask of you to inherit eternal life? 
And he puts the same demand on us today in 2021. And sometimes I just have to repent. And I just have to ask God for forgiveness because I couldn't do it. It was too hard. I was wrong. Please forgive me. And just ask him for the strength, ask him for the courage to be able to give whatever, to serve whatever the next time. Beg him to give me another chance to serve him with everything I have. Beyond that, whether I keep to myself, my family, my time, my goods, will I renounce all that I have to be his disciple? You can be his disciple tonight if you're willing to do that. And I'd like to just ask you, what box are you in? Because as far as I'm concerned, there's only one box that's going to get us to heaven. And that's the box of eternal life. And it's worth it. Don't take my word for it. But we can read the scriptures, men and brethren, men and women of faith who say it's worth it. But it's scary sometimes. It really is. But it really helps to know there are others here who are willing to renounce all they have to be his disciple. If you want to be his disciple tonight, please come right now as we stand and as we sing.